good morning and happy new year. Today's episode is all about Savage vs. Steamboat, often regarded as the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. Today, we discuss this iconic matchup, what led to it, and the participants involved. Does this match deserve to be put on the pedestal? Does this match hold up all these years later? And what effect did this match have on the industry? We talk about all that and more on this episode of 80s Wrestling the Podcast. My name is Jumping Jay, and as always, I'm joined by the savage one, Tommy Fierro. Good morning, Tommy. How are you? I'm fantastic, man. Happy Happy New New Year Year to you. Happy New Year to you, Jumping Jay. How are you doing today? Fantastic, man. Listen, this last week in Minnesota, the snowfall is officially up to 34 and a half inches, man. I've been shoveling driveways wow. like nobody's business, getting the biceps well, and the triceps right now, all fired up. The last couple of days here in New Jersey, Jay, I've actually been wearing shorts. It's been in the 60s. Are you serious? Beautiful. Oh, my word. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm waist deep in snow out here in Minnesota, and you're getting geared up. For the Poconos. I'm sorry. Oh, hold on, Poconos. <laughs> listen, listen. We, me, 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 and me and Jay had a little, uh, a little uh, laugh off the air right before we went on. I asked him, "When is him and his family coming up for '80s Wrestling Con?" And uh, he said he didn't know yet. Last year, when Jay and his family came up, it so happened to be Mother's Day weekend. So uh, Jay rolled out the red carpet, brought his family to New York City. They had an unbelievable time. I uh, spent the whole, the whole weekend up here, so I was asking him, are, are you going to, you know, are you going to New York again? And I said, listen, the Poconos, it's, I asked him if he knew what the Poconos was. It's a, obviously a real uh, uh, popular place in Pennsylvania. It's only about an hour from the convention. So I said, listen, man, why don't you tell your wife to take her a nice romantic weekend to the Poconos in Pennsylvania, and it just, you know, once you get up here, at least you're up here for the convention, and then you can just kind of uh, wing it from there, you know, but it was a little, uh, little off-the-air joke. But talk about 80s Wrestling Con, Jay. I got a lot of updates, a lot of updates for 80s Wrestling Con today right here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast. Uh, several exclusives that uh, I have not even announced yet, to, not even to my uh, personal Facebook page or the website or whatever. We have added four new Special attractions for 80s Wrestling Con on May the 6th at the Menon Sports Arena in Morristown, New Jersey. Now, uh, a couple of the special attractions have already been announced, and uh, the, the main one is uh, half of today's topic. We are giving the 80s Wrestling Lifetime Achievement Award to the macho man, Randy Savage, at 80s Wrestling Con. And his brother, Lanny Papo, will be accepting the award on behalf of his brother. Uh, to be really, really special. So that is the big attraction as far as special attractions go. And you know, Jay, from last, last year here, we always have several different things. Uh, the other big one is going to be the Kids of 80s Wrestling. It's going to be a special meet and greet and question and answer session. Uh, tickets for the Q&A will be separate admission from the convention, and we're going to do this at the end of the convention, in between. Uh, so uh, I'm still working on the logistics right now, and I'll have everything set by Monday because we're doing our 
media day on Monday for the convention. Uh, but right now it looks like I probably have the convention go to 4 o'clock, and then um, right after that is the Q&A with, um, with, with uh, the kids. And right after that is going to go right into ISW, which is going to start at special 6 p.m. start time. Uh, so we get everyone trying to get everyone not to leave the building, have everyone there. Uh, last year it was spaced out a little too far in, in, in too far away from the show to the uh, convention. So we're going to make everything nice and tight this year. And another cool thing, Jay, I'm going to announce here on the, on the podcast uh, is a bunch of matches we have signed uh, for that evening. So 80s Wrestling Con again takes place on May the 6th, Menon Sports Arena, Morristown, New Jersey, followed by, immediately followed by 80s, uh, 80s ISW Rock and Wrestling 2. So uh, let me, let me first, I'll tell you the, uh, some of the matches for that, and then I'll tell you the new attractions for the convention on this 80s Wrestling Podcast exclusive Jumping Jack. So uh, the, the show, matches signed for the show for nighttime so far. Uh, listen to this one, Jay. And now, Jay doesn't know any of this stuff yet. So I'm telling Jay this for the first time. Uh, one of the matches for that show will be Carlito going one-on-one with Val Venus. Wow. Wow, Tommy. Pretty cool, that, right? That is very cool. Those are two guys that had quite the run in the, in the world wrestling uh, entertainment, I guess now, but yeah, they had quite the run. They were both, you know, high level guys that people love to see. And uh, you got Carlito and Val Venus at this show. That's impressive, man. I did not expect either of those two names, by the way. And then another, another match we're going to have is Fandango going one-on-one with Eugene. Look at you! Two more former WWE superstars in Fandango and Eugene. Uh, both of them incredibly entertaining. So far, this card is already stacked, my man. Thank you, sir. Uh, how about this one? One of your favorites in ISW, Crowbar, will go one-on-one for the first time ever with Harry Smith, a.k.a. Davy Boy Smith Jr. Oh, the... The the legacy of the British Bulldog coming to ISPW. Crowbar, first of all, is an incredible for, performer. He might be better now uh, than he was in his WCW days. Like He's so passionate about the business. I feel like he just keeps getting better and better. And Harry is he's an unbelievable talent. And the lineage, going back to Davey Boy Smith, that's incredible, man. I can't wait to see uh, that match, and I can't wait to see uh, Harry in person. Awesome, man. And next up, Battle of the Big Guys. Battle of the Big Boys, Jumpin' Jay. You're going to see Appa Jr. going one-on-one mm. with Snitsky. Whoa, that is a lot of poundage in the ring, dude. You better reinforce uh, the bottom of that ring because both those guys uh, are big boys and they can move. Oh, yeah. And then, and then and you're, you're going to love this one, Jay. You're going to love this one. Uh, it's going to be the now who last year – won the Demolition Cup at mm-hmm. 80s Wrestling Con's show. So this year, the now will go one-on-one with the Powers of Pain. Get out of here. You got the Powers of Pain stepping through the ropes? Warlord and Barbarian will be stepping through the ropes 
following his wrestling con. Yeah, man, I'm really excited for that one. <laughs> and then, that uh, is awesome. And then for the ISP, and we're still adding a couple more matches. Uh, this is going to be the sixth match announcement. We still have a couple more to go. Uh, for the ISPW heavyweight title, it will be Bull James defending the title against the King of Rock, Rick Recon. There's a ton Ooh. of bells and whistles in this one. Listen to this, Jay. So the special guest referee for this match will be just no one special, just the most famous referee in the history of wrestling. Earl Hepner will be the special guest referee for this match, and it gets better. There's going to be an outside-the-ring enforcer for this match as well. New York Giants Super Bowl champion Jay Alfred will be the outside-the-ring <laughs> enforcer for this match. You awesome. know I'm a diehard Giants fan. So yes, I'm like, you are. I'm like geeking out over this. So he's going to be the outside-the-ring enforcer. And... Maven and LaGreca, Maven and Dave LaGreca will be handcuffed to each other in this match for the ISW heavyweight title. He will be handcuffed. They will be, they will be handcuffed together? That is yeah, so there could be no, no, no interference <laughs> from either side. So we're going to find out who is uh, the best in ISW, Bull James that defending against fantastic. Rick Recon. And we still got a couple more matches to go, man. I'm excited. That is awesome, man. Already that card is stacked and is a can't miss. And the fact that you are doing it immediately following the con. If people are not hanging around to see that that lineup right there, then then something's wrong, man, because that's a stacked card. Come for the con, meet your idols, stay for the show, watch your idols perform and see some of the best in independent wrestling today, man. This is going to be one heck of an event. I am so excited. Yeah, man. I know the phone lines are lighting up, but real quickly, I just want to make mention of a couple of the new attractions that we have for 80s Wrestling Con. They'll be updated on the site either later today or tomorrow sometime soon. One of the cool things, Jay, is, and I believe you might have been, I think you were at this 80s kind of, in fact, I believe in 2019 you were there. Uh, I did the 80s wrestling tricky tray. Were you there for that one? Yes, I was where there. Where you had Absolutely. all the items. Picked the tri- yes. yes. How cool was that? In New Jersey, I don't know where you guys call it all around the United States, but in this area it's called a tricky tray. And it's a bunch of different items placed on tables. And there's little buckets in front of each item. And then you buy tickets. And then you put your tickets in, which it's like a, like a, a silent auction, Chinese auction, whatever you yep. want to call them, whatever they were called back in the day. And then, you know, later on in the afternoon, they pick all the numbers out. We're going to have all, all 80s wrestling merchandise, only 80s wrestling merchandise. It's going to be really cool. Like those vintage, hard-to-find items that, you know, you can't find anymore that was in the WWF catalog back in the day, that kind of stuff will be at the table. So it's going to be an 80s wrestling tricky tray which I, I'm really excited for. I know uh, it went over really well last time we did it. And then also, Jay, 80s Wrestling Karaoke. We saw some good ones last year. 80s Wrestling Karaoke is coming back. Two new attractions that I know are going to be very exciting. One is going to be, check this out, 80s Wrestling Family Feud. We are going to have two teams and we're doing 80s wrestling family feud with a yet-to-be-determined wrestler on each team as the captain. 
and four lucky fans on each team are going to be, be able to play uh, pro rest, uh, 80s Wrestling Family Feud. And then we're also going to do 80s Wrestling Jeopardy as well. So we got a lot of cool stuff planned. Again, 80s Wrestling Con taking place on May the 6th, the Menden Sports Arena, Morristown, New Jersey. For more information, be sure to head over to 80sWrestlingCon.com. All that is huge, Tommy. And the thing that gets me excited is we are still months out, and you're the type of guy who's the wheels are always turning, the ideas are always coming. And so, like, I'm just – every time I talk to you, you got something new, something different, something bigger. This is going to be – listen, this is going to be the trip of the year. Everyone better circle their calendars, fly, take a boat, take a plane, start walking, but you got to be there when this thing kicks off. Speaking of kicking off, let's kick off today's episode, 80s Wrestling Podcast. We are talking about the unbelievable feud between two of the greatest to ever step inside of wrestling ring, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, the Macho Man Randy Savage. You don't even have to even talk about, you know, when we take the calls, just if you want to say something about their careers, feel free. It doesn't have to be about that WrestleMania rematch. It's more about the participants and what led up to it, and then, you know, we can, we can just take the conversation wherever it wants to go, you know, Jay? That sounds like a fantastic plan, and we're going to kick it off by answering the phone call of a longtime friend of the show who's probably never shoveled an inch of snow in his life, Babyface Brian from Chico, California. Good morning, Brian. Freak out, freak out, Jumpin' Jay and Tommy Fierro, so excited, yeah, this is a topic I really like, yeah, baby. Anyway. Hey guys, that's, uh, that's fantastic. Happy, happy New good. Year! Very good, baby face. Very Brian. good, very, very good. good. Happy New Year to hey, you. Happy, happy New Year to you. I, uh, this is uh, to me the my favorite match ever, and I was uh, I was amongst about oh, I'd have to say there was probably seven or eight thousand at the Arco Arena uh, mm-hmm. in Sacramento on uh, closed circuit TV watching this for WrestleMania three, and it was. Uh, it had to be the highlight of the night as far as just watching that on that great big movie screen on closed circuit TV, uh, just the ups and downs of the crowd, the emotion that was there. It, it, it couldn't have matched being in the 93,000, but it was pretty phenomenal. And I don't know if you guys were watching on pay-per-view or if you were watching on closed circuit, but they announced the closed circuit first where I live. So we got tickets for that. They announced the pay-per-view afterwards and uh, Sacramento is about oh hour and 20 minutes from where I grew up. So we got the pay-per-view and recorded it while we went down and watched it with all the other people on the closed circuit. And it was just such a great experience. And uh, like I said, I don't know, were you guys watching on pay-per-view or on a closed circuit for that one? Tommy, I'll let you answer first. Yeah, I was actually at William Patterson College in Wayne, New Jersey, uh, we watched it on closed circuit there. I, I saw WrestleMania two, three, four, and five there. So I just remember, I remember just being a sea of people there uh, watching it. That to be at least probably at least a, at least a thousand people in, in this college, the college uh, gym watching it on the big screen. And yeah, man, I mean it, it, it lived up to all the hype that it, that it was going to get, and then obviously then some. Yeah, it was even as a kid. And you know, you can appreciate how awesome of a match it was. You know, that that's 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 the kicker. 
Definitely. Uh, How about you, Jay? Were you watching Closed Circuit? So here's here's the deal. When I was younger, I had an uncle, shout out to Uncle Jim, who would get it on pay-per-view, and he would tape them on VHS cassettes, and then he would give them to me. So I watched it on a tape, a VHS tape of the pay-per-view, but not live. I watched it after the fact. Now let me ask you guys this, who watched it on closed circuit. This match, according to Steamboat, had 21 false finishes, none of them having to do really – with somebody performing a finisher. They were just kind of fast-paced, uh, false finishes. What was the crowd like in closed circuit when these false finishes were going on? Because it was kind of the first time we saw that many in a match up to that point. Was the crowd biting? Were they on each and every one of these false finishes? Well, I'll go, Def- I'll go definitely. first. I was, only, I, was only 10 year, I was only 10 years old at the time. And I'll be honest with you, man, I can't remember – the crowd reaction from my show back in November. Never mind. Nineteen eighty seven. So I think Brian Babyface Brian formerly uh, Bobby, you know, the brain of California, he could probably uh have a more wittier answer than me. I, I I don't remember. For for me, yeah, it was uh the basically it was uh the highlight match of the night as far as crowd reaction because we they were the whole crowd was up and down, and it was. If you can imagine, there's certain movies like Independence Day where you, you kind of remember being in the theater when the whole crowd was reacting to it. If you saw mm-hmm. it the day it opened, and WrestleMania three, where where the just being there with all those people, uh, it heightened it and made it so much more. So you know, people today, they. You know, if you've been to a live event, if you've been to ISPW where you got people all around you you understand what it's like to see wrestling in person and, and experience with all these other people. And uh, closed circuit TV, it was very similar. It was like being in a theater, but with, you know, 8,000, this screen, it was like 11,000 people. So it was being in a theater with 8,000 people that were cheering everything going on. And that match, you know, that was the highlight as far as the night. So, yeah, it was a heck of an experience. Um, the, the other thing today, and I, I put it on Twitter, and I just posted the uh, the uh, YouTube link to the match. But today, um, if Tommy can tell us, one of the things leading up to WrestleMania three was they had all these creative ways of having Savage and Steamboat meet each other in the ring. Um, and today is the uh, 36 year anniversary of that historic TV taping that Tommy was at personally, where the main event was. Uh, Hogan and Steamboat against Savage and Honky Tonk Man in a tag team match. So again, on uh, on both 80s wrestling or 80s wrestling fan, my Twitter page, you'll see uh, a, a little action figure LJ had layout of that main event. But um, below that, somebody had asked if the t- if the match is listed, and you can watch that tag team match. It was filmed, so I put the YouTube link to it. If somebody wants to check it out, but uh, it's the anniversary that big event where demolition with uh, Randy Colley as smash uh, went down and the uh, Andre and Hogan Piper's pit stuff uh, really started up. And so Tommy was there for that huge event uh, 36 years ago today. If Tommy can kind of say how exciting it was to be there for that show. Oh yeah, man. Well, again, I'm only 10 years old at this point, but um, yeah, I mean, the cool part was, is that I don't think I really, I don't think I really understood that that was a TV taping at the time. Like it was just like a lot of matches. Like, and then but you watch wrestling on TV 
and you see, you know, the, you know, the, the, the bigger names going over on the enhancement talent, and you don't really think much of it because that's what you're accustomed to watching on TV. So when you're at the arena watching it and watching it and watching it, like, you just think it's part of the show. So I don't even know if I even realized at the time. And, and actually, I, I was actually only nine at that time because it was in it was in January. So I was only nine years old at the time. So I don't think I even realized or, or understood the concept that that was being taped for television. It, it's so awesome that you posted that link, and I'm definitely going to go back and watch that today at the store. Um, and anyone that wants to, again, our, our Twitter page is ABS Wrestling underscore, and I, we, I retweeted uh, Brian's tweet. Um, but, yeah, I don't think I even realized that it was a, a TV taping, but it was so cool. Like I, I mentioned in the past, the Piper's Pits with Hogan and Andre, and then, um, you know, seeing, like, every superstar that was on the roster, you know? But, yeah, it was awesome. Definitely, yeah. The uh, the variation I saw was uh, right before WrestleMania at uh, on March 20th. There was a uh, six-man tag, one of those elimination matches, and it was going to be Roddy and Steamboat and Tito uh, in the elimination match against uh, uh, Adrian Adonis and Randy Savage and Butch Reed. And Rondi, Roddy had uh, stuck his finger in a light socket in the L.A. Sports Arena four days earlier, and uh, electrocuted himself so blackjack mulligan filled in but you know in that those elimination matches where they'd have savage and steamboat on opposite sides it was a way to you know you might get a quick bit of those two against each other but it really teased and set up their match at wrestlemania 3 um and then before that in january aside from the tag match you saw there was all these matches that were set up to be andre the giant against randy savage uh, at the Sacramento Arena, I, I went to the card in December, and we weren't going to get to go to the one in January, but the one the main event they announced was uh, Andre challenging Savage for the uh, Intercontinental title, and they did this all over the place, and Andre hadn't turned heel yet, but he went ahead and he gave Ricky Steamboat all these title shots. So in January, there was a lot of uh, Savage versus Steamboat matches around the country, um, before WrestleMania three, where people got a taste of that in person. And uh, originally they might've bought tickets thinking it was going to be Andre Savage and ended up being Steamboat Savage. But uh, it, it, the build up to that WrestleMania three, they like to say, there's a lot of creative ways to get Savage and Steamboat together in the ring, you know, to get their you know, stuff together and, and, uh, and to get people out there to see it. So, um, just a great time in wrestling and I appreciate getting to talk to you guys about this stuff every week. So, uh, I'll let some other guys on here to see what they think about Savage Steamboat. But again, that to me, that was like the pinnacle of, uh, of wrestling. You hadn't really seen all those false finishes before. So what Savage mm-hmm. and Steamboat put together, it was really historic being able to see two masters of their craft together and, and just impressed the hell out of 93,000 people in, in attendance, but also millions of us, you know, kids like uh, Tommy J and me, they're the, uh, out in the TV viewership or the closed circuit viewership. So thanks for a great topic and uh, happy new year and go Giants and Vikings and 49ers. There you go. Thank you, Brian. Good, uh, happy so much. new year, brother. Thanks again. Take care. Well, there we go, Tom. The Giants are in this year, brother. The Giants are in the playoffs. 
Congratulations to you. The Vikings are in as well. Uh, we try not to get our hopes up too much here in Minnesota because we've been let down uh, a lot. But it is an exciting season thus far. Well, up up here, we haven't made the playoffs since 2016, so we're uh, we're dancing in the streets, brother. There you go, dancing in your Bermuda shorts on your way to the Poconos. Uh, let's keep this conversation rolling of Savage and Steamboat, a match that really had a huge impact on the landscape of wrestling, not only at the time, but it kind of changed the industry. It might have changed how matches were put together. Maybe we'll talk about that. But up next is our main man, Danny from Butler. Danny, good morning. Tommy, Jumpin' Jay, Happy New Year. Um, you know, Tommy, uh, congratulations to your Giants. At least uh, one, uh, there's one uh, football team uh, in, uh, making it to the show. As usual, my Jets uh, stuck it up my rear end again. I'll be 12 straight years <laughs> without, a, without a playoff, uh, you know, uh, without a playoff berth. Uh, so, you know, it is what it is. We move on. Um, you know, my, when I saw, when I looked at your 80s uh, wrestling Instagram today and I saw this uh, this uh, topic and, you know, like I said, my, my eyes lit up because I remember, you know, as a six-year-old watching WrestleMania three at the at the Capitol Theater in Passaic on in closed circuit, I was there. You know, obviously, you know, everybody that either watched it on pay-per-view or, you know, went to closed circuit or actually was fortunate enough to be at the Silver Dome. You know, everybody was draw, drawn by Hogan and Andre. But, mm-hmm. you know, that match, you know, obviously, you know, it's just, you know, it's a, you know, you, you keep uh, repeating the phrase that they stole the show. Um, they went out there, you know, they pulled, you know, you know, even though it was, a, it was a 14, 15 minute match, those guys, the amount of lightning quick action, the false finishes, the story that they told in that ring, you know, it, you know, to this day with the 36, almost 36 years, it still resonates, you know, with, uh, you know, people like, you know, superstars like Chris Jericho and everybody, you know, referencing that match, say, stating that that inspired them to get into the business. Um, you know, how do I, like I said, the feud overall, it had, you know, everything you needed, you know, from you know, the, the time as superstars when Savage dropped the bell on his throat, you know, you had all the little vignettes of a steamboat trying to learn how to speak again and everything. Mm-hmm. So, and then, you know, he comes back on that Saturday night's main event. And uh, I remember, uh, was it, uh, yeah, George the Animal Steel, he ends up kidnapping Elizabeth. And then, you know, we knew that eventually they were going to meet at WrestleMania. So it was a, you know, tremendous, like a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a poetry in motion, a match that stood the test of time. You know, when you think about all the classic Intercontinental title matches, I think it has, this one has to be at the very, very top of it because, you know, at that time, I don't think the Intercontinental title was as, as prestigious as that, you know, those two guys made that felt what it is right now. Um, you know, I just, you know, when I think about, you know, when I also think about them is, you know, I think about how, you know, the WWF, they, they kind of dropped the ball. They left a lot of great matches on the table by, you know, you know, having Steamboat drop the title so soon, you know, you really never really got that, you know, that blow-off match that finally end the feud. You know, you, you know, there's so many ways that they could have went with that feud. You know, they could have went four, five, six, seven months down the line, and, you know, they could have, you know, ended up on a Saturday night's main event, a two out of three, a, a steel cage match. They could have went so many different directions, and, you know, they also dropped the ball. They could have had them, you know, at WrestleMania four in the tournament 
And but I guess at that time they couldn't see, you know, two baby faces. I guess go at it since they were both so over. Um, but like I said, it was just like I said, a match that stood the test of time. And you know, like I said, two tremendous athletes. You know, two of the greatest of all time. And like I said, is you know, what they did that night was magical. You know, I, uh, you know, like I said, I when you talk about that this subject, it, it, it brings a big smile to my face. You brought up the fact that this is on the same card as a main event, Hogan versus Andre. And let's not kid ourselves. That might have been the most anticipated match in history. We bought that pay-per-view for Hogan-Andre. So let's not forget that Savage Steamboat, they're coming from a mindset where if you're going to steal the show from Hogan-Andre, like that's quite the undertaking. Now, granted, the one thing Hogan-Andre had is two big guys that Andre could not, he was on the downslope of his career, he could not move. So you knew it was going to be a battle of big forces, not a lot of movement. And so Savage Steamboat were very smart. They went the opposite way. They gave us a ton of movement. I would love to hear from both of you. What do you guys think the mentality is for an undercard match like a Savage Steamboat, knowing that the main event might just be the biggest main event of all time? Does that add motivation? I mean, what do you guys think was their factor in putting on this iconic match on a card that may have had the most iconic main event of all time? Danny, I'll let you go first. I'm going to give a different perspective as a promoter, but you go first. All right. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I, I think look, no matter who, you know, what, no matter where you're at on the card, whether you're at the, you know, the opening match, you're in the middle, you know, you're at the main event. I, 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 I'm almost certain. I never, like I said, I never performed. I'm not a promoter, but I, I you know, I, I'm sure it's every superstars, you know, their goal is to go in there and to have the best possible match that they could have. You know, whether, you know, it's a title match, whether it's a grudge match, or, you know, like I said, whether you're opening or closing or you're in the middle. And I think it took both of those guys, it took it took a, a, a tremendous set of, of balls to go out and do what they did, you know, knowing, you know, obviously I said the, 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 those two guys, you know, were different, you know, types of breeds. You know, they were athletic. They were, you know, te- technically sound, in tremendous shape, and, you know, the, the guys could move, you know, you know, given that what Andre and Hogan, it was going to be more of a, a stationary, you know, you know, just a brute force type match. And, you know, I think they went out there. They, 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 they made it. They wanted to be known. They, they wanted to go out there and, and be remembered and, you know, be talked about, you know, for decades later. Um, you know, you said Steamboat said it, you know, that the after, you know, the, the after WrestleMania after party, you know, you know, there were lines of people, you know, coming up to him, and Savage congratulating them and, you know, giving them their kudos. And then, you know, at, at Hogan's table, he's there by himself. Nobody's really going up to him. So, I mean, I'm thinking maybe, you know, down the line in politics, they, they kind of caught some backlash. I, I think it definitely Steamboat. Uh, Savage kind of like, I, I guess he definitely took off more after that match, you know, you know leading up to WrestleMania four, he was on fire. So, you know, I think they went out there – it took a lot of guts to do what they did, and you got to admire them for, you know, the, the, the stuff that they put together on that night. 
I, I, I agree with that uh, very much. I, I'm going to give you a, a different take. I, I'm surprised that that match was that unbelievably crazy good. Uh, reason being is that uh, as, as, a, as a promoter, now, I don't have the match card in front of me, but how many matches uh, was it between Savage and Steamboat for the main event? Was there a match in between it? Was it two matches in between? Did you, did you two matches. Off the top of their head? Two matches okay. in between. All right. So it, it makes a little bit more sense. I was going to say because they, I mean, they went balls to the wall. They went absolutely bonkers. One of the greatest matches ever. The thing is that you don't want, as a promoter, when you when you structure a, a show, uh, you don't want something to outshine your main event, especially, I mean, I'm, I, obviously the emotion and the um, the connectivity and also the reason why everyone was in that stadium was to see Andre and Hogan, no question about it. At uh, the same token, though, you don't want, uh, so that, that that's the important match. So you don't want something to, to, to you know, take the, shine away from that so it's smart that they did two matches in between that and i can guarantee you that's exactly why uh they did two matches in between there as a buffer because uh, i mean they i mean they steamboat savage took that crowd on a, a roller coaster ride mm-hmm. so you know you need to you need to settle them down for a little bit before you can get them back up again so yeah that's very smart the way they did that they, they put two matches in between so yeah um so, yeah it makes more sense i didn't know if it was I couldn't remember if it was one match. I, I thought it was one match, but if it was two matches, it gave it gave the crowd enough time to, to come back down. But yeah, man, and 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 here's the thing: uh, Savage at the time, right after that match, you know, shortly after that, he became a megastar, megastar. Mm-hmm. So that that match right there, uh, I think, really set. The, I think he was on his way to becoming that, and then that match set the stage for him to be that. So and he probably knew in his heart that he was going to be a, a a big megastar that he became, and he's probably like fucking man, this is my one chance to go out there and fucking steal the show, and I'm going to do it. So yeah, that's awesome. It was great. It was great, and and what's interesting too is I I read a quote by Mean Gene Okerlund that said the way Savage was consumed by this match and how he obsessed about it and how him and Steamboat wrote it out and kept going over it, and kept going over it. It got to the point where Vince McMahon himself um, and, and none of the, uh, the agents in the back, they told him to finish, but they knew it was in good hands by the way these two gentlemen were obsessing about the match, that they did not, they did not speak into the match at all, that this was 100% savage steamboat. And so it's interesting from a promoter when you see a guy this passionate about putting on a great match that you know your products in safe hands and that you can just kind of let them do their thing. Yeah, I agree. Danny, thank you so much for calling in, man. It's always good to hear from you. Tommy, Jumpin' Jay, uh, keep it in, hitting it out of the park. park. Uh, you know, keep uh, looking forward to speaking to you guys and uh, have a great weekend. And uh, by the way, uh, Jay, you got to, you know, you got to get it yourself a snowblower, man. There's no reason that you should be oh. breaking your back with that 34. <laughs> Keep that. No. You got to invest in something, man. You got to you gotta give I, yourself a break, man. 34 inches, it. that's unheard of. You, I, I know it. you're used to it, but you got to. Come on. You got to you gotta get, you gotta catch up with the times, man. You got to get yourself a snowblower. 
<laughs> you got that I love it. God over there, cheap fuck. Let, let me put your minds at ease. I have a snowblower, okay? I, I have a snow. I live in Minnesota. Oh. They give they give you one at birth. It's like a it's just a right a right of passage. Yeah, I have one. I just want to make sure, man. Like I said, I hear you. I hear I hear the word shoveling. I'm I'm, I'm yeah, not thinking of a snowblower. I just want to make sure. I you're right, man. Hey, I got Danny, a snowblower. Danny, I'm Danny, snowblowing. Danny, maybe Danny, maybe jumping Jay's gonna try and use that old back excuse for Macy. If his wife doesn't let him come up for two years in a row, he can use that old back. That's right. The blizzard of of 23. That's right, the blizzard of 23. Thanks for having my best interest at heart. I appreciate it. All right, guys. You guys have a great weekend. Take care. All right, you too, brother. All right, man. Savage Steamboat. It kind of changed the game, Tommy. I'm I'm loving hearing people's uh, perspective on it and how there's kind of this all-around mutual respect for this one match. Uh, it was done a little differently, the, the planning of it was, and uh, I think it had a lasting impact on the industry and those people that watched the match and then became wrestlers themselves. I think it heavily influenced them, and so I, I can't wait to see where this conversation goes next. Uh, and right now, it goes all the way to Hotlanta to connect with Joe. Good morning, Joe. Welcome to the show. Hey, cup of coffee, cup of coffee in the big time. Cream of the crop, the cream of the crop, the cream always rises to the top. Ooh, yeah. Dig it, brother. Now, now, let's, going on, man? How are you? now let's hear your steamboat impression. Macho man, you will lose tonight versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. That's not, not bad either. That's not bad. That's <laughs> That's not bad at all. Joe, Happy New Year. Savage Steamboat, happy man. New I'm interested Year. to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Um, it's one of the rare matches where if you're a fan of Macho Man, you're okay that he lost that match because mm-hmm. it's just like real sports where it's like he provided the way to know that it's okay to lose. Be, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's what I got to say because I can look back at other matches and I know you guys like to discuss the, the Hogan warrior. And I know one of you guys is on one side and one of you guys on the other side. That's one of the <laughs> matches where I, I was like, that should have went the Hogan way. But with the macho dragon match, I don't look at it that way. I'm like, that's okay. Match. I, for some strange reason, I have no problem with the outcome, even if I'm a macho man fan. Um, but I think where, where I'm going to take the conversation is tapping into the macho man who uh, liked, as he progressed with his career, he liked to um, change up his outfit. And you can look up, uh, there's a Jewish guy who's in Florida who has put some stuff out on YouTube who explains that macho or you know, Randy would go to his house and say, look, I need, I'm now I'm the macho king and I need hats and I need to kind of look like a pimp and I need, I need to, I need to make my character pop. And it's really good if you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, but, uh, what I, what I look at is there's nothing better, even though he became the macho king and wore cowboy type hats and stuff, my favorite uh, look of the Macho Man forever is coming out in a what like one of those like Bobby Heenan you know with all those 
what I'm saying is all those uh, beads on on the suit or for Macho Man's case, the robe, coming out in one of those robes and then taking that off and breaking it down to the old trunks with the three stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that look, even even though, yeah, if, if we could talk to Randy these days, it'd be like, even though you tried to <laughs> progress your look, the best look of all was your original look. Um, and then, yeah, I was thinking about this. His brother, Lanny Poppo, um, because, okay, let's go back. So you say, all right, Macho loses Intercontinental Championship, but we look at it and we're like, but the very next year you will be heavyweight champion. And I believe I found something of Lanny Poppo talking about it, which is that, because I'm not kidding you guys. You know, you could guys could say I'm crazy, but I thought about it. I was like, did he tell Lanny, like, look, dude, I'm going to be the the heavyweight champion. And there's something out there on YouTube where Lanny says uh, Randy Savage was so uh, kayfabe that he, I don't think he even told his own brother. So it's like, if that's true, it's like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, and that's, that's the way us, you know, 80s uh, kids can look back at it and be like, man, like, Yes, you you lost the Intercontinental in in Mania three, but the very next year you would be the champ, and uh, and he was a beautiful champ. He was a beautiful champ. That is well said, Joe from Atlanta. Thank you so much for calling in. Always a pleasure to hear from you. Uh, we hope to hear from you in future shows, man. Have a have a great year, and uh, yep, appreciate you weighing in on Macho Man Randy Savage and Steamboat. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> now that's the way to end a call. Tommy, this is a hot topic, man. We still got callers, uh, multiple callers on hold, so we're going to keep this conversation rolling. We're talking Savage Steamboat, what many consider to be the greatest match of all time, and kind of the impact that it had on the industry as well as these two individuals as wrestlers themselves. Up next, uh, is Firefighter Brian. Happy New Year to you, Brian, and welcome to the Savage Steamboat Conversation. Happy New Year, gentlemen. How are you? Good talking to you. Uh, Brian okay, from Long so, Island. What's up, brother? How are you, guys? Hey, listen, let me just say quick. I know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, long, I'm a long-suffering Jets fan. I'm a Jets, Mets, Islanders <laughs> fan, which is the equivalent of herpes in one cheek, hemorrhoids in the other, and general warts up front, okay? It's a very painful experience. And, um, you know, the, yeah, okay, the Giants have been in since 2016. Bull friggin' hole. We haven't been in since oh, no, uh, 2010, I think. Okay, it's been so long I don't even remember, okay? It's like my team's... Don't want me to watch, you know. So, um, but hey, on a serious note, um, God bless uh, Demon uh, Hamlin mm-hmm. of the uh, of the Bills. That was uh, I've never seen anything like that in my life. So, uh, just praying that either he's okay or going to be okay. You hate, you know, I play for, and you hate seeing that stuff. So um, now with the with today's topic, you know, last week you guys were talking about eighty seven. And I mean, I mean, what better way to do a sequel to that than the match of '87? And you know, in your description of the show, when I you know clicked on it, said that this deserved to be on that kind of pedestal. 
I mean, I think the question, I think the reason the answer is um, absolutely yes is here we are 36 years later and we're still talking about it. We're talking Mm -hmm. about it like it happened yesterday. Okay. And you look at how influential it was. I mean, how many wrestlers have said, that's the match that made me want to do this. So that's the match that made me a wrestling fan. So it has the influence, okay? The match itself was terrific. I would have liked, you know, Jesse Ventura kept saying, he should cut the belt in half and give the other half to George the Animal Steel. And, you know, I would have liked, <laughs> right? I would have liked the more cleaner finish, okay? But, um and that's just so weird, you know. So many of the all-time great matches have kind of questionable finishes, like the Iron Man match to WrestleMania 12. Brett mm-hmm. has him in the sharpshooter, and the time is up. What would I, you know? So, anywho, but the match, uh, the match was great. Okay, I could have went without the George Steele Elizabeth angle, but mm. the build-up to it, the build-up to it was great. I think it was Saturday Night's main event. Randy Savage hits Steamboat over the head with the ring bell, which was mm-hmm. uncommon at the time. Nobody was really using that. Nowadays, they, you know, they use everything in the kitchen sink. But, um, and, and Vince keeps saying, he swallowed his tongue. And we're like, what? So, um, but uh, the buildup was great. But I think, you know, honestly, this match, just this match alone, is the subject of a documentary. Because not only can you go over the, the um, the promos and Rick, Rand, we all know what a great uh, promo Randy Savage was. Mm-hmm. Ricky Steamboat was not a bad promo either, and um, you had the promos, but also the aftermath. A lot of what ifs with that because Steamboat finally wins the title. That was his last shot. Okay, then he was look, Go, looking to be a great Intercontinental Champion. Everybody's looking forward to this feud continuing, but now Savage chasing Steamboat for the title. Okay? Steamboat decides to take, you know, to take off uh, for his son being born. They mm-hmm. take the title off of him, give it to a guy. Uh, before, you, uh, before you get excited, let me just uh, say this. He, he, granted, Honky Tonk Man was not a workhorse, Okay? which is what the title's supposed to be, the workhorse title, okay? Mm-hmm. However, name me a better champion. He was a great champion, great heel, okay? And he was, he was going on to be the greatest heel in the world. And what's ironic is you had the match of the year in, at WrestleMania three, and what, six months later, Savage and Steamboat are teaming up at Survivor Series. Goes to show how crazy wrestling works. And um, and let me just say quick, let me just a- end with this. You know, we talked la- last week, 87, okay? That another moment of 87 that was a big moment, this has to do with this. It led into, you know, Steamboat loses to Honky. That opens up a, honk, a short-lived Honky Macho Man feud, mm-hmm. okay? Honky shoves Elizabeth to the ground on Saturday night's main event. That mm-hmm. was in 87. And what's so crazy about that, this is 19... Talk about a moment that was ahead of its time and, on the other hand, wouldn't fly today, okay? Um, Him shoving a woman to the ground, and this is 1987 on NBC. This is their... Saturday Night's main event was their most watched show, 
So that was a very interesting. Uh, that was a very interesting moment. And I'll give you one more, just with 1987, the 87 Slammys. And the reason that's important is because, granted, for a lot of people, it may not stand the test of time. It may be very dated, but it's important for two reasons. Number one, it had the greatest backstage brawl ever between Hacksaw and Harley Race. Mm-hmm. And the Vince McMahon singing Stand Back. And the reason that's an important <laughs> moment Everybody roasted the living daylights out of hell. Okay, no marshmallow has ever been roasted, or no hot dog over a campfire. Yeah. It's McMahon singing "Stand Back" at the Slammies, and everybody was laughing at him. What the hell is he doing? This guy doesn't know what he's doing. Who's the only man left standing? Mm-hmm. Talking about making people eat their words. So I found that was interesting. But no, this was a this was a good this was a good topic. And uh, and yeah, that this match will live. This match will live forever. Very well said, uh, Brian. Let me ask you this. This is you know, sure. Steamboat talks. You know, we we can't unfortunately we can't we can't hear Savage speak about this match anymore. You know, rest in peace. Uh, but yeah. Steamboat will say. Steamboat will say how Savage obsessed, and they wrote down on a legal pad over a hundred moves in a row, fully scripted. Up until this point, most matches were done, you know, calling it in the ring. They knew the finish. They knew maybe one or two important parts of the match, but they would play off of crowd reaction, and it was up to the two performers to pull the match off. There is a criticism of today's wrestling that maybe it's overly scripted. Do you think yep. it's because this match was so well done that people thought that was the formula for a great match? And wow. maybe they don't that, have this, you know what I'm saying? That You see, that, um, I'm, that's a really, I, I definitely see what you say. That is an excellent question. This match may be even more influential than meets the eye. Um, if that's true, that's, that's a very, I, I definitely think things are too choreographed. And I've heard, I've spoken to wrestlers that weren't, they, a lot of them said that a lot of guys weren't crazy about working with Macho Man because Macho Man wanted everything planned. To, for, to the, yep. Okay. Um, a lot of guys, you know, a lot of, you know, the guys who came up in the business, you know, in the 60s, 70s, early 80s, you know, it was all... Working in the, that was that was the magic show. That's where it all happened in the ring. You figure it out. And you feed off the crowd. Mm-hmm. You work with the crowd. It's like you hurt Harley Race. What's your finish? They, he, they yep. tell him his finish. I'll move. That was it. That mm-hmm. that was how they went over the match. And um, I yes, I think that's missing. But I mean, again, it was these were two guys. And you know what? You bring up a good point, Jay. You know, what's so um, unfortunate, I mean, listen, it was 36 years ago, so you can't expect everybody to be still be alive. But the fact that R- Ricky Steamboat is the only guy, Macho Man, Elizabeth, George Steele, even the commentators, all, all like Jesse's still around, but everybody's all dead. And, mm-hmm. um, and Ricky's really the only guy, and maybe Jesse, and maybe, you know, some guys that were there um, can talk about it. It really is. And interesting, it's amazing how much material one match can give you. That's right. That is right. (laughs) That's just crazy. Absolutely. And, 
Hey, but before I go, Jay, you will be at WrestleCon, correct? Yes, WrestleCon. sir, I will be. Yep, I'll be there. Look, good. I'm looking forward to meeting you. I'm hoping to make the trip. And, hey, Tommy, why don't you put some LJN figures in that grab bag in that Chinese auction? Ooh. Dundale, brother, Dundale. Really? <laughs> Love it. Love it. I, I, thought you were, I thought you were going to say, Brian, I love you guys, but not that much. <laughs> Dundale. It'll make, you guys, it'll make you guys buy more tickets. Uh, Dundale. That, a hundred. No, absolutely. There you go. You yep. make 100%. Absolutely. I'm really. Uh, the, the great part is you can put as many tickets into the bucket as you want. So if there's, a, if there's something you really want, you put 20 tickets into it, you know? Uh, abs- absolutely. No, I'm looking. I'm listen. I've heard a lot of good things. I have. I'm not gonna lie. I haven't been to one yet. I've heard. I've heard it's very well run. Heard great things about it, and I'm uh, looking forward to seeing you guys and seeing the convention and seeing everything else. So, um, yeah, looking Thanks, forward, man. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Thank you All so right, much, guys. Brian. We look forward to talking to you in the future. Gentlemen, happy new year again, and uh, thanks for uh, giving giving all of us so much time. And uh, and I always like to ask this. I know what the answer probably is. You don't know yet. But what's the topic for next week? <laughs> we don't you know don't yet. Know, do we don't know yet. <laughs> all right, sounds good. Listen, guys, have a good one. I'll talk to you soon. You too. You Thank too, you man. So Thank you, much. brother. All right, Tommy, we are rounding third base on this conversation. We're about eight minutes before the hour. We got two callers on hold. We're going to take these two, and then we'll uh, go home, as they say in the business. Up next, longtime friend of the show, kind of a heel, kind of a face, total with Tom. Welcome back to the program, sir. If you can see my face right now, Jumping Jim, it is all smiles. You want to know why? Why? Because total with Tom... As per the year-end Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards, was named the five-star caller of the year by Dave Meltzer. Well, congratulations, Toto Tom. It's true. It's true. I'm, I'm no happy surprise, for you. of course. I'm happy. No for surprise. You. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Also, a couple weeks ago, the segment with Danny Morrison, when I was on with him, that was the highest-rated segment in the history of 80s wrestling the podcast that's what Meltzer said at least he keeps hey, track congr- of these things congratulations tommy our show is getting high ratings getting high ratings why well, congratulate me it's your show too well you can congratulate yeah, you can me congratulating as well total with tom, actually is what you should be doing you should be congratulating him total, he's total with tommy now no 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 he's total with tim you're tom no his name is tom not tim oh it is man my face is red Total with Tom. Love to hear your so look, I'm not, input. I'm not shitting on the topic today. I think that it was a great match for the WWF at the time. The NWA was putting matches on like this for years, and so were other promotions. It's just that it was on the highest and largest of all stages, and a lot of people who just followed the WWF and none of the other promotions happened to see you know, what was deemed like a four- or five-star match at that time. Having said that, there is a match, Jumping Jim, that you were uh, alluding to before that did change the industry. So you, you, you were on to something. And it, it didn't change the industry for the good. Okay, And I am talking about the first Shawn Michaels-Undertaker match at WrestleMania. 
all the kickouts, the false finishes, and the length and, and whatnot. My right the industry as far as pro wrestling goes because now you have everybody from the WWE to AEW to it doesn't matter what promotion. Everyone is trying to follow that match. They're not using psychology anymore. They're not taking their time. They're taking unnecessary risks. They are getting up from eight or nine super kicks in a row. They're getting up from everyone's finisher. Nobody used to kick out of anyone's finishers. I think that match, and it was warranted at the time because it was a retirement match, I think, for Michaels and The Undertaker. It was warranted, you know, two of the greatest of all time, two Hall of Famers going at it. But it really set a bad precedent because everyone has been trying to copy that match since. Not Savage Steamboat, but Undertaker and Michaels. You know, what's interesting is the Savage Steamboat match, all their false finishers didn't come off of finishing moves where the Undertaker-Michaels one did. And so there is, uh, you know, a stark difference in that aspect. But I definitely see what you're saying. Finishing moves are no longer finishing moves. And uh, that's something that I think would do the industry a great deal of good if they could reestablish the importance of those moves. Well, there's no psychology either. I mean, if you think about it, Correct. you know, I see Sammy Guevara from AEW. He takes a bump off a ladder 30 feet in the air, and then all of a sudden he's back up doing a hurricanrana. And right. I'm like, Wait, what? what? What are you talking about? I don't get it. So, I mean, that's why I like going to ISPW. They wrestle with ring psychology from the 80s. You're not seeing those crazy risks. You're not seeing those unnecessary risks. Look, I'm a fan. I want to see my wrestlers healthy. If I'm not seeing them in the ring, that's not doing any good for me. It's not doing any good for you. I don't want to ever see anybody take an unnecessary risk. And to go out there, there's enough risk as it is going into the ring, okay? I want to go and watch a match where everyone protects each other, but they have a good time. And, and we have a good time as, as uh, fans, and everyone is healthy by the end of the night. And I think we've gotten, we, we, we've cornered ourselves right now in this industry where it's what's next. Someone needs to do something different, you know, and, and, and I fear for wrestlers and I, and I hate doing that. And I cringe when I see these stunts and that's what they are now. They're stunts. It's not, it's no longer wrestling. Um, and I cringe when I see it and, and I, and I really appreciate an ISPW show and I really uh, can't emphasize enough to all the listeners out there. If they have an opportunity Come to a live event at ISPW. You will see, if you're listening to this show, it's because you like 80s wrestling. Well, why don't you come to a show and see 80s wrestling once again? That's all I got to say, guys. I'll total with Tom out. Total with Tom out. I want to say thank you very much. And uh, I, he, he, Jay, he, 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 he's lied. He is not a five-star caller. Uh, after today, he is a six-star caller. Because I, not, not only because of what he said about ISPW, but uh, what he just said, I couldn't. I was like, while he was talking, I was literally uh, sitting here, just like my head was going up and down. I agreed with everything that he just said. Uh, wrestling can still, and we've talked about this in the past too, man. Uh, you can still tell that story, uh, that good guy versus bad guy story, because I saw it firsthand uh, just a couple months ago for the last match musical. The story that was told during that musical, it was it was the good guy against the bad guy, and in the end. 
the good guy won, and, and everyone was so emotionally attached to that every second of that show. So uh, great, great, great viewpoints by uh, Soto with Tom. They're, 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 they need to bring it back. Yeah, I was going to say, you can't get a better promotion for ISPW than what he just said. That's that's the greatest promo right there. If you want to see pure wrestling like we did in the 80s, come to ISPW. And his points about what's wrong with the industry were right on the money as well. Psychology is dead. It's all spots. It's all stunts. But what was right with the industry back in 87 was Savage Steamboat. We're going to take one last phone call, Tommy, and then we'll wrap it up. We're going to hang on. The guy who's been hanging on hold this whole show, waiting to get his viewpoint across, Tom from Parsippity. Good morning. Happy New Year. And welcome to the Savage Steamboat Conversation. Happy New Year, guys. I just uh, wanted to uh, call in and get my thoughts on this, and I hope you guys are doing well. And, uh, of course, Tommy, you know what what i got to say, right, Tommy? (laughs) You're bleeding. You're bleeding, man. You're bleeding. Hey, hey, listen, guys, I just quickly, I just wanted to give my two cents on uh, Steamboat Savage and just say that match checked all of the boxes. Not Mm. only did you have two of the greatest wrestlers, two of the greatest performers of all time, you also had different angles going into that match. You had uh, Steamboat coming back from the larynx injury with the with the ring bell. So he's coming back from the serious injury that they portrayed, which made it even more intense. And, and, and the drama and, and the storytelling was just excellent. And then you had the beauty and the beast aspect of it. With uh, And I want to get your guys' thoughts on it with Miss Elizabeth and George the Animal Steel. So you had a bunch of stuff going on. The storytelling at the time was great. You had, uh, you know, all these different uh, things going on. Not only that, I think it was 162 or 163 uh, scripted moves that they, they uh, both did together, and it made it one of the greatest matches, in, uh, not only in that time period, but of all time. So, uh, again, I, that's all I wanted to say. And, uh, you know, looking forward to uh, uh, 2023 being a great year for you guys. And, of course, Tommy, i got to come up to the store soon to get my tickets for, uh, for WrestleCon. Absolutely, man. And, and, and were you on the call since the beginning? Remember that blockbuster show at nighttime uh, immediately following the 80s wrestling con? It'd be a great chance for you to oh, check out Oh, I plan on sticking around. Absolutely. Awesome, I plan man. on well, sticking around this year because last year I left before the matches. So I'm sticking around this year. I can't wait. And uh, I hope well, I'm going to make, it, I'm gonna make a little bit. I'm going to make a little bit. I'm going to make it a little bit easier for you guys this time. This time, like last year. The show started at 7.30, which was a big mistake. This year, I'm starting the show at 6 o'clock. Uh, the convention is going to go to 4. Then the, then the Q&A with uh, the kids of 80s wrestling right into, right, into, uh, right into the show at nighttime. So we'll have a full day of stuff with no breaks in between. Fantastic. I can't wait to see it. And, again, best of luck, guys, and uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. What was your take on the whole Beauty and the Beast thing with Elizabeth and George Steele? I'll hang up and listen. Take care, guys. Um, you too, Tom. Yeah, man, I, I, absolutely, I absolutely love that. I think that, um, one, it, it got George Steele over tremendously. Uh, good question, by the way, Tom. Uh, they got George Steele over tremendously, uh, got Elizabeth over tremendously, and most importantly, it got Savage over tremendously because here is this guy that is so uh, – so jealous of, of his girl. Obviously, Elizabeth didn't want George Animal Steel, but Randy Savage uh, really was uh, uh, a real piece of crap during that whole storyline. But yeah, man, it, 
that that, that storyline was very underrated as far as uh, the character development of all three of them. You know, I think they, they were very smart with Miss Elizabeth because they understood that the crowd responded to her. She wasn't just there as um, Randy's valet or manager. Like, the crowd cared significantly about Elizabeth. And so anytime they put her in the middle of a storyline, it pulled on people's heartstrings, it got their attention, it, it elevated the storyline itself, it automatically meant more because she was involved uh, in a significant manner. And so I think, I think the way they utilized Miss Elizabeth in general in this time period was, was genius to help get the fans really engaged with the product. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. But yeah, man, what a really, really interesting episode today. Uh, loved, loved hearing the feedback uh, today from, from our listeners, all very, very uh, educated responses and, and thoughts. I dug it a lot. I think everyone did a really good job getting their uh, personal opinions across, and I pretty much see myself agreeing with everything everyone said today. So, yeah, man, it was a fun topic today. Good good choice, Jumpin' Jay. Yeah, it was a great topic because it's a match that, yeah, it's really stood the test of time, and I just watched it again last night, and it does. It holds up all these years later. I was still uh, glued to the set watching it. It didn't, never lost my interest. Um, and so, yeah, it's just it's fun to see – quality wrestling done right can hold up for decades and you can still find yourself enjoying it all these years later so great match great show today tommy great announcements at the start of the show man you kicked it off with some huge announcements about 80s wrestling con and the ispw uh show following it i cannot wait uh to get there myself anticipation is building yeah man and also one more quick announcement before we sign off anyone that does live in the New Jersey area, we are going to be having a Royal Rumble party, Jay, at the Wrestling Collector on Saturday evening, January the 28th. Very, very limited spots available uh, to the first 25. Several have already uh, purchased their tickets. Uh, check this out, Jay. It's 50 bucks, and Tito Santana will be here. And, you know, one-hour Q&A with Tito – before the show starts, you get an autographed picture. You get your photo with Tito. We're going to have pizza, chips, sodas, water. And you get to watch the Royal Rumble with someone that was one of the first two guys in the ring <laughs> in the 19, 1988 Royal Rumble. How cool is that? That is amazing. How, how many spots available did you say? There's only going to be only about 25 spots available. Several oh, have gone already. So, can you imagine that? That is, that's an experience. Okay, anyone brother. that's interested in watching the Royal Rumble uh, with Tito Santana at the Wrestling Collector, uh, go to cool. one of our social media, one of our social media pages, and send us a message, uh, or you can give us a call at the store and reserve your spot. Uh, they are going quick. So, uh, Tito Santana, yeah, that is awesome. Royal Rumble party at the Wrestling Arriba! Collector. That's very cool. Arriba! Arriba! <laughs> hey, man, Jay, I hope uh, you and your family had a great holiday. Happy New Year. I, did we tell the story that – I don't know if we told the story last week on the on the show. Your father-in-law uh, got a hold of me and uh, stuff from the wrestling cl- – I, I think we did mention it, right? No, or I don't no, think we mentioned it. Off the, uh, uh, 
I don't think we mentioned, but my father-in-law got a hold of Tommy without my knowing and said, hey, we want to get some wrestling stuff for, for Jumpin' Jay for Christmas. Tommy hooked me up with an incredible uh, gift basket. So big shout-out to my father-in-law uh, for reaching out to you. Big shout-out to you for following through and sending some cool stuff. Uh, I felt like a little kid again. I felt like the, the little 10-year-old Jay running down to the Christmas tree when I opened up that box. So thank you both very much. Yeah, man. Well, not as much of a kid you're going to feel like when you come back to the Wrestling Collector before 80s Wrestling Con on May 6th, me and you, one-on-one in WrestleFest. And we're going to get someone to tape. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll do a Facebook Live. Ooh, me and you. Let's do it. I would love it. Me and you, brother. The battle of 80s wrestling Only podcast the on WrestleFest. Only the strong survive. <laughs> Hey, man, I hope you guys have a great weekend. Until next week, uh, we will talk to you. I'm not sure what the topic is. Make it cool. Make it fun. Make it flow good like it did today. So uh, everyone have a great weekend, and we will catch you next week right here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast.